WTBN Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Now, the last days are not the days just before the tribulation period. The last days, biblically and technically, are the days from from Messiah's first coming till his second coming, what we would call the church age, and it will go into the tribulation period as well. So we're living in the last days. These may be the last of the last days. We don't know for certain, but we're living in those last days. And Peter was in those last days, and he said that that mockers would, would come, and they would mock the second coming of Christ. They wouldn't just have unbelief, but it would, they would scoff at it. This doctrine, Peter said, would come under attack, and it did come under attack even in his day. False teaching has been a problem in the church ever since there's been a church, and Peter was seriously upset by it. He wrote this letter to counter the lies being spread, and that makes this one of the most powerful assaults against heresy in the entire Bible. And it's an important tool for us, even today, in defending against false teaching. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today we'll be continuing our series from Chapter 1 of 2 Peter as the Apostle begins to transition from writing about spiritual maturity to the often ridiculed topic of the second coming of Jesus. Here's Pastor Steve. Several years ago, a group of about 200 liberal theologians convened together in what is commonly called the Jesus Seminar. You may have heard about the Jesus Seminar. The purpose of their gathering was to determine which of the sayings attributed to Christ in the New Testament actually were said by Christ. Believe it or not, that's what they meant to determine. Their conclusion was that, and listen to this, of the more than 700 sayings attributed to Jesus in the New Testament, only 15, they said, were actually said by him. Only 15. Their conclusion was the other sayings were added later by his followers, and they said that he said this, but he never really said it. These men, in the name of scholarship, and I would say under the guise of scholarship, rejected most of the words of Christ. And uh, one of the main teachings of Jesus that they just flat out dismissed was the return of Christ, what we know as the second coming of Jesus Christ. Here's how one writer put it. I quote, Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away, shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. He writes, How could Jesus have been so wrong about his return? A group of Bible scholars, he writes, known as the Jesus Seminar, have studied the sayings of Jesus using the most recently discovered copies of ancient biblical manuscripts, other historical writings directly related to the times of Jesus and the early Christian church, scientific writing style analysis, and other tools. After years of intense study and debate, this group has come to the general consensus that over 80% of the words attributed to Jesus in the New Testament were not his words at all but the interpretations and additions of early believers. Now, please don't, don't let this shake your faith. Don't, don't let this disturb you at all, because there was nothing really scientific about their study at all. Nor are there any new discoveries that invalidate the New Testament. These, these are conclusions from a group of, of biased liberal theologians who didn't really meet to discover truth. They already had these preconceived notions, and they just meant to sort of confirm these things and categorize their unbelief. 
In fact, someone, I think, has very accurately and appropriately described the Jesus Seminar's opinions as, and I quote, little more than sheer conjecture grounded in sinful unbelief and skepticism. That's, that's really what it, what it is and what it was. And it, it really should not surprise us that one of the doctrines they just flat out dismissed and wouldn't even consider that Christ really said this was about his return, the second coming of Christ. And we know that this, uh, that this is true. We know it should not surprise us because in 2 Peter chapter 3, and I'd like you to turn there, 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter predicts that in the, uh, the end times, or I should put it as he puts it, in the last days, mockers, he says in verse 3, will come with their mocking, 2 Peter 3, 3. And know this first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continue, continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. Peter wrote, that during a time period, which he called the last days, mockers would mock and scoff at the second coming of Christ. Now, the last days are not the days just before the tribulation period. The last days, biblically and technically, are the days from from Messiah's first coming till his second coming. Well, we would call the church age, and it will go into the tribulation period as well. So we're living in the last days. These may be the last of the last days. We don't know for certain, but we're living in those last days. And Peter was in those last days, and he said that that mockers would, would come, and they would mock the second coming of Christ. They wouldn't just have unbelief, but it would, they would scoff at it. This doctrine, Peter said, would come under attack, and it did come under attack even in his day even in his day. And it was this very doctrine that the false teachers, which is the background of Second Peter, as you know, this was the very doctrine that the false teachers were attacking. Now, they must have attacked other areas, but this was, uh, this was one area that Peter deals with because it was a serious blow to the believers that he was trying to shepherd and minister to. Apparently, these folks were confused by this and troubled by this, and so Peter focuses on this. Because what happens if you take away the the second coming of Christ, you take away our hope. You take away our hope. Jesus gave this to us for great hope and encouragement in difficult times. Not only that, but if you take away the second coming of Christ, you take away one of the great motivating factors in the Christian life. Certainly not the only motivating factor, but one of the great motivating factors in the Christian life. Because Peter said in verse 11 of the same chapter, chapter 3, He said this, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, that is to say there's coming a a future day of judgment, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? In other words, the the truth of Christ's return is a motivating factor to help us knowing that, that, that we'll stand before him, that there's a future judgment, that we're answerable to him. It will help us to live a godly life. Knowing these things will happen, Peter says, what kind of people should you So it was a real problem in the early church concerning the false teachers confusing these these people about the second coming of Christ. Now, most people want to focus on chapter 3 to to study this, and and rightly so. However, I want to... uh, want to suggest to you that the first indication that there was a problem in the uh, in that the false teachers were confusing people about the second coming is not found in chapter 3 but in chapter 1 so let's turn back just a few pages to second peter chapter 1 and we want to continue our study of this wonderful this small letter but packed with vital vital 
truths. And I want to read to you verses 16 through 21, and then we will go back and we'll pick up verses 12 through 15 and then tie it together. Peter writes in verse 16, for we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Now, the theme of these verses is the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter mentions that in verse 16. He speaks about the coming and the power of Christ. And though he goes on to speak about the authority and the inspiration of the word of God in the, in verses to follow, and he is speaking about that the, uh, somewhat the process of inspiration, men uh, moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Don't think that he's deviated from his theme. He's merely incorporated another truth into it, but his theme is still the coming of Christ. And we know that because in verse 19, he says that uh, he refers to the day dawning and the morning star arising in your hearts. These are references to Jesus and the establishment of the, of the messianic kingdom on earth that Christ will establish when he returns. In fact, Revelation 22 verse 6, verse 16 calls Jesus the bright and morning star. So he's still talking about that. He's still talking about that. So as Peter closes chapter one, I want you to understand that he is addressing the second coming of Christ. But what we want to know is what exactly is he addressing? What is his message here? We want to know Peter's point, his purpose, his message in writing about Christ's return. He's not simply writing in general that Jesus will return. He does have a point. And we want to understand the full intent and purpose of uh, these verses. But if we, we're going to do that, we need to back up a little bit and understand verses 12 through 15. That's where we left off last week. And I want to read verses 12 through 15, and then we'll connect this, this passage, these verses together. Verse 12, therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is uh, present with you. I consider it right, as long as I'm in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. Now, these verses really function as a transitional part of this chapter. They, they uh, connect it from the previous passage to what is about to follow. And the connection is, remember, Peter has been talking about how to grow spiritually, how to pursue spiritual growth, that, that he says that you are to add to your faith seven virtues. And these virtues constitute spiritual growth. As you see these things in your life, uh, you see the fruit of, of your behavior, you, un- you should understand that you are growing spiritually. And when you see this growth in your life, then understand that uh, you can have assurance of your salvation understand that that this is the way to make your election and calling sure. Now, that's where he's coming from. 
Then he talks about these verses, and they they link up with the second coming of Christ. So it's a transitional uh, part of the letter, but it's more than a transition. It's more than a transition because these verses really explain why Peter wrote this letter in the first place. What, what was the reason that he wrote Second Peter? You know, these men just didn't sit down and say, I have nothing better to do today. I think I'll write some folks a letter. No, there was a burning desire in their hearts put there by God, and God revealed truth to them and, and guided them so that they wrote down exactly what he wanted them to write. What was the purpose of this letter? Well, Peter tells us in these verses, 12 through 15, that his purpose was to remind the believers of truths that he had previously taught them, and he said that you're even established in now, but you need to be stirred up. You need to be stirred up. And that's a very important important point. Uh, what we're reading today and studying today in Second Peter was not new to these believers. They had already been verbally taught this by Peter, They knew these truths, they had been grounded in them, and yet Peter feels compelled to write to these people, he says, to stir you up, that is to spiritually awaken you. You see, it's very possible to know a lot about the Bible and yet be spiritually asleep. It's very possible to have your minds filled with God's word and and yet to not be applying this word to your life and yet to not really let it be living in you and, and refreshing you. And, uh, and it's quite frankly, it's very easy to forget Bible truth. There is so much that we're trying to absorb. Uh, it, is, uh, it is difficult to get it all in. For example, you come to a morning service like this, and we're singing songs that, uh, that are dealing with one issue of my tribute and how can I say thanks for what you've done to me. Then, then we're singing about I know whom I've believed. Then Jeanetta gets up and, and sings about being crucified with Christ and a wonderful song. And then I get to Second Peter. And then if you've been to Sunday school, you've, you've got some other things. If you come back tonight, you're going to get more. And if you've had your own personal devotions, you're in another portion of scripture. And, you know, so much is coming at us. It's really easy to forget. And so, what what a Bible teacher does is he reminds people of truths he's already taught them. That's what a pastor a pastor does. That's why repetition is such an important aspect of Bible teaching because we forget and we fail to apply and we need a fresh reminder of God's word. The Apostle Paul did this. This was Paul's uh, approach. In fact, let me just show you a few passages of Scripture just so you understand why I repeat myself so so often. Romans chapter 15 In Romans chapter 15, the Apostle Paul said something very interesting, and those of you involved in biblical nuthetic counseling should know that this is, uh, uh, should know this, uh, these two verses. Romans 15, beginning at verse 14, he says, and concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. That's where Jay Adams gets the, gets the, uh, got the name of his book, Competent to Counsel. Admonish. That's where the word nuthetic comes from, to put into the mind, to place into the mind. Fill with all knowledge so you'll be able to admonish one another. We, we are all supposed to be counseling one another, admonishing one another. And Paul says, I know that you at Rome are doing this. You're all involved in discipling and counseling and encouraging one another. And so these people were active. These people were filled with knowledge. Do they need to be reminded of anything? Certainly. Verse 15. But he writes, I have written very boldly to you on some points so as to remind you again because of the grace that was given me from God. 
Paul said, listen, I know that you know the word of God and I know that you're active and even ministering the word of God, but I write you these things very boldly to remind you of what you already know. He not only said that in uh, in Philippians 3, 1, you don't need to turn there. He said that that actually it's no trouble to to repeat himself. It's a safeguard, he said, for you. It's a protection for you because nobody gets it the first time. Nobody gets it the second time. Nobody gets it fully the third time. You will never fully master the word of God. No matter how many years you've been to Bible college, no matter how many years you've been a believer, no matter uh, how many degrees are behind your name, there is always a need to be refreshed in the word of God. Always that. Not only did Paul use that method of Bible teaching, but Jesus actually established the Lord's Supper as a constant reminder for us. Now, those of us who know Christ as Lord and Savior, we certainly understand and, and believe that he died for our sins. You can't be saved without that. But the Lord's Supper serves as a constant reminder of the significance and meaning of his death for us. Why? Not because we've forgotten the theological implications of it, but because we need our, our hearts to be refreshed and, and we need to be reminded of these precious truths. So it is Peter's really pastoral concern for his readers that compels him to remind them of these truths that they already knew, but they need to be stirred up in these truths. But there's something else that drove him to write this letter. It wasn't just to remind them, though that was part of it. Notice in verses 3 through 15, which we just read, he speaks about uh, about dying. He says, I consider it right as long as I'm in this earthly dwelling, meaning his body, to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. Peter knew that he was going to die. And he knew it would be soon. He knew it would be imminent. And how did he know that? I'd like you to look at John chapter 21. And let's, uh, when we introduced this, this uh, letter, I dealt with this, but let's look a little bit deeper here. In John chapter 21, you have a wonderful portion of scripture beginning at verse 15 in which uh, Jesus restored Peter to his ministry. If you've ever been discouraged in your own life and you've ever seen your your sinfulness, and uh, and certainly we all have, and you've wondered if God could ever use you again, this is a very encouraging passage to, uh, to give you a reminder that God is not through with you. Verse 15 says, So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Now, Jesus restored Peter to his ministry. And why, why did Peter need restoration? Just before this, Peter had denied the Lord three times. Remember, Peter had bragged about how, how much better he was spiritually than the other men. Remember, Jesus said, listen, when, I'm, when the shepherd is taken, all of you are going to flee. You're going you're gonna to forsake me. And Peter said, uh, but not me, Lord, because I'm a cut above these guys. I'm better than them. And Jesus said, oh, really? You're not only going to forsake me. You are going to deny me three times. And Peter did deny the Lord three times. And so you, you understand how Peter must have felt. He must have felt, not only did I sin, I have absolutely blown it in my ministry. In fact, he must have concluded, I have no ministry. The Lord will never use me again. I'm, I mean, these other guys ran away, but they're back. But me, I denied him. 
I cursed and I, I bitterly swore that I never even knew this man. I'm through. I'm done. And so this is after the resurrection now in John 21. Peter has gone back to fishing, not because he was a recreational fisher. He's gone back to fishing because he was a professional fisherman. And I think he's just gone back to his old job. And Jesus appears to him and uh, because because Simon Peter denied Jesus three times, three times Jesus forced Peter to say, yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. And three times Jesus said, then take care of my flock. Then take care of my flock. In other words, Peter, I've not, I've not abandoned you. You, yes, you, you, uh, you did what was wrong. You denied me, but I am restoring you to your ministry. See, the issue here is never salvation. Never lose your salvation. But he thought, thought he lost his ministry. And in this case, Peter was restored to his ministry. Now, how long was that to, to take place? Was it temporary? No. Notice verses 18 and 19. Jesus was telling him that it's to go on the rest of his life. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wish, meaning you used to get dressed and do whatever you wanted. You dressed yourself. But when you grow old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now, this he was signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Jesus not only restored Peter to his ministry, but he said, Peter, your ministry is to feed my people the word of God, teach them. And this ministry is to continue until you die, until you're an old man. And Peter, you're going to live to be an old man, but you're going to die as a martyr and you're going to be crucified. And I take it that that's what the expression stretch out your your hands means. He's going to be put on a cross and tradition says that that's exactly what happened. And when Peter wrote Second Peter, understand that he was an old man at this time. Nero's persecution had begun, and Peter more than likely, can't prove this, but more than likely was already in prison. And it may very well be that he wrote this letter from prison, and Peter put two and two together and figured out it's just a logical conclusion. Jesus said, I'm going to die when I'm old. I am old. I'm in prison here. Nero's persecuting the uh, the Christian. It doesn't take... Uh, a whole lot of thinking to figure out he's coming after me very quickly and I'm going to die soon. So I better write this letter before I die. I better put in permanent written form these teachings so that after I'm gone, they can refer back to this and not lose anything. That's why I notice verse 15 of Second Peter 1. He said, and I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you'll be able to call these things to mind. Peter has been long gone, dead for 2,000 years, and yet we can refer back to his words, though he being dead yet lives. So he wanted to give them a permanent reminder of these truths, and I take it that that's exactly what he's done in Second Peter. What Peter had to say was important enough for him to write it down so people would not forget it. And it was important enough for God to preserve it over the millennia so that we would also know what Peter said. Jesus is coming back, and that fact should have a big influence on how we live our lives. Pastor Steve Kreloff will have more on the next Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by Verse is just one of the ministries of Lakeside. You can find out more at lakesidechapel.com. And stop in for a visit some Sunday if you're in the area and looking for a good place to worship. The address is 1893 Sunset Point Road. Service times are on the website, or you can call Lakeside at 727 441 1714. That's lakesidechapel.com or 727 441 1714. 
Today's lesson is part of a series from 2 Peter chapter 1. If you'd like to catch up on previous broadcasts in this series or any other previous broadcasts, check out our message archive page at versebyverseradio.org. There's also a giving page if you feel led to help support this ministry. Our generous supporters and faithful prayer warriors are vital members of the Verse by Verse team. The web address again is versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. Do you want to hear some amazing statistics? I've read that for every reference in the Bible to Jesus' first coming, there are eight that deal with his second coming. The Old Testament refers to Jesus' return something like 1,845 times. And that's just the Old Testament. Peter's goal in this passage we're studying is to teach us how we could know for sure that Jesus is coming back. Join us for the next verse by verse as we see how Peter countered the false teachers who mocked the second advent. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse. If you're concerned about